I am a sea of love. 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 You are a sea of love. You are a sea of love. We are a sea of love. We are a sea of love. Hello and welcome to the Womb Centered Healing Podcast. I'm Sama Morningstar and I have some announcements to share with you about what's going on in the Womb Centered Healing Temple this summer 2021. First of all, I just want to say thank you so much for listening to the podcast. And if you'd like to receive announcements in an email email form for each new um, podcast that comes out, as well as blogs, blog articles that are often related to the podcast topics, as well as upcoming courses and events, you can subscribe to the Womb Centered Healing Temple newsletter by visiting wombcenteredhealing.com. And I also encourage you, if you love this podcast, to please support it financially. You can subscribe financially through Anchor um, by making a, a, a monthly contribution of you know, a small contribution. They start at 99 cents, you know, <laughs> to really support this podcast and support the work that that I'm doing to make all of this wonderful information available to you and inspire you to think about the womb as the center of your universe. Once again, return to that womb of wisdom that resides within you. So if that feels like something you want to support financially, that's how you can do it. Um, Also, if you're interested in diving deeper into some of the topics and to really take a period of devotion in your life, devote some time and some energy in your life to deepening this practice of womb-centered living, I encourage you to take a look at the courses and workshops and particularly the Biomystical Womb Apprenticeship program that you can learn more about by visiting wombcenteredhealing.com and there's a button up at the top of the page that says Biomystical Womb Apprenticeship. You can go there and listen to um, some introductory videos and look at the details of the program and you don't have to do the whole 13-month program if you wanted to try out one of the eight phases in the program. Each phase is about a month long and I'm often sharing on the podcast and you know on these through the newsletter about the upcoming phases. So if you subscribe, then you'll start to get a sense of what the different phases are that are happening live 
throughout the year, um, but they're also available uh, in recorded form. So you can do any of them at any time throughout the year. Um, To just dive deeper and really devote some time to discovering and learning about and reinitiating yourself into the power of the womb. So don't hesitate to, to visit the website, wombcenteredhealing.com, and connect in that way. All right, that's all for now. Uh, enjoy the episode today. Thanks. Hello and welcome to the Womb Centered Healing Podcast. I'm Sama Morningstar and I have Megan Lockhart with me here today. Megan, thank you so much for joining us on the podcast. Today we're talking about, we came on the podcast to talk specifically about the Enchantress archetype and particularly about the um, our experience with the enchantress phase of the biomystical womb apprenticeship. Um, as some of you may have may know from previous episodes when Megan's come on here and talked with us about the apprenticeship program and um, Megan was an apprentice in the first, well, sort of overlapping the first and second um, round of the apprenticeship program and is now a certified biomystical womb mentor. Yay! Yay. Um, <laughs> That's yeah, exciting. Yeah, I know you're still waiting for your certificate, but it's um, but uh, congratulations on that. And I'm, I've been reaching out to previous apprentices to see if you can share um, how the, particularly this uh, enchantress phase and this enchantress archetype has come alive for you and begun to integrate into your lives. Because as, as any program like this, I would hope, uh, uh, this program particularly, um, the Biomystical Womb Apprenticeship is a series of seeds that we plant into our lives. Uh, and it's like, it's like a garden, right? Where you, you prepare the soil and you plant the seeds and that takes quite a bit of time. And then you continue watering it and you may have like uh, an initial um, process, but then it's an ongoing process that continues to bear fruit um, for, for, you know, forever if you keep nourishing it. And so um, the the intention of the 13-month apprenticeship program is to be a, a, a nourishment for the soil of our lives, for the womb soil of our lives, and then planting particular seeds through these phases of seeds of awareness, seeds of, of with particular um you know, meeting uh, certain needs in our lives that were unmet at, at various phases in our lives. Um, and then seeds of preparation for future phases that we might be approaching. So um, we planted a bunch of seeds of awareness and inquiry about the enchantress archetype. And I would love to see how, to hear from you, Megan, how how those, even just the process of planting those seeds awakened different awarenesses for you, new awarenesses, or perhaps nourished ones you already had. And also um, how that has 
been coming to fruition? What's been developing? What's been growing? What fruits have you harvested from, from that um, planting uh, so far? Mm -hmm. Beautiful. Yeah, thank you for inviting me into this reflection because when, when you had originally reached out, I was sharing before we came on here into this interview, I was like, I don't actually know how the Enchantress has impacted my life consciously. I know that, that it has. And so it was actually really fun to go back and to reflect and to look at the notes um, that I had taken and the things that I was going through and to see what has happened in my life because that would have been I think around September of last year and now we're in June of the next year so there's been a significant amount of time that has passed for me to witness this change it was actually really fun um, to go back and look at that so some of the things I was really noticing was the Enchantress was really supporting me to almost claim more sovereignty in what I had already been establishing in my life and in my sacred business and sort of helping me to claim it a little bit more because I had been on this um, path of the womb priestess and I had been... Um, going so deep in self-study. And it was almost like, I feel like when we really dug into the Enchantress and I started learning more about the womb-centered healing framework and approach to offering mentorship and to offering visionary journeys and to holding space um, for healing, it was like this light bulb clicked and I was like, wow, so many of the things that have been values of mine that I've been integrating into my practices that it felt like the apprenticeship was really starting to give words and language to that, that it wasn't just something that I was sensing and feeling in myself, but that there was actually this larger womb wisdom, that there was this larger womb-centered healing approach that Sama is such a beautiful steward of and integrating. And so being able to have that mirror and that reflector almost helped me to claim like, wow, this is powerful. This is so beneficial because at that point in time, I had mostly been on the giving end of offering sessions and journeys in that womb healing centered sort of approach in my own way. And then to be the recipient of it was so profound. Um, to see that it's actually so helpful and so healing and so powerful. So it almost, I feel like the main thing that like the biggest thing, and there were quite a few other gems that I received from the Enchantress phase, but I feel like the one that really sticks out to me was the one of just like really stepping onto that uh, sovereignty of, wow, this is valuable. So yeah, that was probably the first thing that I noticed. Um, I also noticed. I just want to uh, yeah for a second. Go and, ahead. Um, because so it sounds like um, when you say, wow, this is valuable, it sounds like you're talking about um, this womb-centered approach to healing that it sounds like it had been somewhat of a solitary journey for you up until 
joining the apprenticeship and, and being involved with the group and receiving um, someone else's uh, guidance around it. So it, it, you had been doing this work from your own inner guidance and it sounds like it, it, having someone else's um, take on it confirm perhaps some of the things that had come up for you, but perhaps also um, nourish and develop and, and nurture new awareness um, help, helped you to really claim what had come up for you in solitude as something that is valuable, not just for you personally, but for the collective by seeing it also happening for other people and like that. Is that what you meant to say? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, definitely. It was like that simultaneous wowing of the value of, whoa, this is so beautiful that through my connection with my womb and my solitary journey that I was receiving this guidance and this wisdom and then having that reflected to me was powerful. And then also deepening that and deepening um, and having language and more tools and more nourishment from the different offerings in the apprenticeship. Mm -hmm. So it also helped me to deepen it. And I think both of those combined of like, this is just innately who I am and what I'm doing and I'm being empowered with more tools and resources. And that definitely helped to kind of create more confidence in moving forward with having the womb-centered approach as more of a, what would be the word? As more as the foundation of the work that I was offering. Mm. yeah am offering was offering <laughs> yeah so it sounds like it really um nourished that soil nurture but but for fertility into that that mm -hmm. fundamental soil of what you're growing so that's beautiful so often like when we're when I'm growing roses and people talk about how come there's aphids on my roses and how come my roses the leaves aren't all bright green they have weird spots on them and and they're shade, you know, turning yellow and things like that. And most of the time, all you need to do is feed the soil to get mm -hmm. your roses to be healthy and the bugs fall off and the leaves turn green again. And it's, it's so amazing. Roses are so beautiful. Not all plants are that way, but roses are pretty reliable in that. Like if you feed the soil, it takes care of everything. <laughs> wow. Yeah, so amazing. it just makes me think of you as this beautiful rose blooming and then and then, you know, you were doing well already and then all this uh, nourishment at your roots and in the soil, then all these, new, you know, beautiful blossoms, bigger blossoms, like, you know, more energy to to bloom and um, yeah, so I'm just imagining you as a beautiful rose in the garden. <laughs> I will take that. <laughs> hey, we just had a little, a little uh, journey into the into Sama's apprenticeship gar apprentice garden. <laughs> okay, mm -hmm. so you were gonna share some more things uh, before I yeah. ask to go more into that. Yeah, something, uh, some other things that I was realizing that the intentious phase really helped me to step into also was more of a collaborative approach. That was a seed that I had really received at the beginning of that year. 
and with my own story of belonging and my own experience of collaboration, that was a threshold for me to move through. And it was a seed that I had received way earlier that year and hadn't really acted upon um, in a profound way, but it felt like because the enchantress phase was so collaborative in nature, and I know there's other parts of the apprenticeship that are even more collaborative, but there was a really big part of the enchantress phase in us connecting with the other apprentices and offering visionary journeys to one another and offering womb-centered healing sessions to one another. And that experience um, was really healing to, to receive support from other womb-centered healing practitioners and also in helping to kind of formidify that seed that had already been planted about collaboration. And it kind of put a bit of a fire in me following through. And it helped me to have that motivation to birth the first ever summit that I came out with, which was called Womb Revolution. And, and Samo was a guest speaker on that. And so that was really fun because I was doing that. And I was like, okay, I have the fire now because I have this you know, Sama's modeling such a beautiful way of collaboration. And so I felt inspired to really follow that seed of inspiration that I had. And then also at the same time, I had really been flirting with the idea of coming out with a podcast for a while and just hadn't taken any action for a long time. And it was sort of this awareness of, I want to be more collaborative in in marketing and connecting and in my business in my way of showing up in the world so I had remember writing down during that phase I you know I'm gonna follow through with this womb revolution summit I'm going to start my podcast and then you know you know ripple into the future and I have started the podcast now so I feel like it definitely helped to nourish some seeds of those collaborations and even when I look back to some of the journeys that we did and I wrote down some of the symbols that I received from the visionary journeys and things like that and um, one of the seeds or one of the visions symbols that I received was a crown and it was gold and it had ruby rubies in it and it was a very clear image of this crown and that crown came forward in kind of response to one of the questions of what am I here to do what is my sole purpose and this crown came forward and I was simultaneously birthing this new program that had a lot more of a sisterhood, collaborative community kind of framework built into the program. And I was trying to build all of these systems and structures into this program to make it more collaborative, to make it more of a sisterhood, to make it more of this amplifying of one another so that people felt really supported on their path of business and, and in developing their sacred work in the world. And that crown made its way onto the banner for the website. All right, from that visionary journey. Wow. Yeah, isn't that amazing? Yeah, that's mm -hmm. so gorgeous. Well, so I wanna just talk a little bit about um, <clears throat> how it's been evolving for me uh, and and what the enchantress is bringing up for me, um, because she is by no means a, a static entity. <laughs> She's constantly evolving and 
uh, at least my experience of the Enchantress. Uh, and, and so that, you know, which speaks to my uniqueness and, and my soul purposes, there's always a new way of doing things and always a new um, pathway, a new uh, possibility. And, um, and I'm, I'm last year when we did the Enchantress uh, phase, I had combined the, the um, mentor certification program with the Enchantress phase. And that seemed like it was just right because all the people in the apprenticeship were really wanting to, or a lot of them were wanting to become certified mentors. And that was like their Enchantress call, part of the Enchantress calling was to really dive into what does it mean to become a mentor to others in this kind of work? And what does it mean to really dive into the practicals, the practical aspects of bringing this, these voices, the, this work into the world? And so there was a lot of nourishment for the kinds of things that you're talking about, Megan, of you know, creating, doing collaborations, creating your own summit, creating your own podcast. And so I'm really celebrating that that, <clears throat> that, that aspect of of the Enchantress came through. And it's interesting because this year's group of apprentices uh, and, and what's for what's going on in me as we're approaching the Enchantress phase again, which starts at the beginning of August, um, what's coming up is this deeper dive into the personal healing process of the enchantress and what she has to offer us personally, especially around the menstrual cycle, uh, the premenstrual phase of our menstrual cycle and the perimenopausal phase of our lives. So I'm curious, even though we didn't talk about that as much in the enchantress phase uh, last year, we were talking more about the sole purpose, work in the world kind of stuff, because that's an important part of healing any uh, premenstrual friction or perimenopausal friction. Oftentimes that friction, that intensity, that dissatisfaction, that, that inflammation comes from us not be having a, avenues of expression of our sole purpose um, voice and and action, right? There, there, if we don't have those, those avenues to deliver our unique medicine into the world, then that creates uh, friction and, and inflammation. And, and we can often feel that in our premenstrual and perimenopausal phases if that's going on. And so one of the most potent remedy, one of the remedies that I've had for that is to really create avenues for my self-expression of, of my sole purpose work and this whole apprenticeship and this podcast and the womb-centered healing temple and all of these things that I've been creating are my remedy for my personal healing process so that I feel like I'm able to fulfill my sole purpose that for generations the women in my lineage were not allowed to even imagine that they had a unique sole purpose. They were just channeled into, you know, having babies, taking care of everybody else and not really thinking about what inspires them and what they might wanna create 
uh, you know, what their creativity ha had to offer besides children and homemaking, right? So I was the first woman in my lineage to actually go to college and, and um, I studied women's studies and, and started reading only books written by women <laughs> for, <laughs> and I studied psychology as my major, but women's studies as my minor. And I remember after, after studying women's studies for a period of time, I was like, that's it. I'm only reading books written by women. And for like 10 years, I <laughs> did not pick up another book written by a man and only read books written by women just voraciously mm -hmm. to make up for all the whole, whatever, 17 years of my upbringing that where that I had only read books read, written by men. I had not mm -hmm. once read a book written by a woman. Right. Mm -hmm. Maybe once I did, but but most of the books I'd written read. And so and I was into writing my own books and writing my own poetry. And so I wanted to know what other um, women writers had to say. And so so that was a big part of my healing. And now uh, and so and, and now there's also this other aspect of um there's so many other aspects of it because uh, how, how does it um, show up in the work that we're doing, our creative process, also in our relationships with people? How do we express what we want to create or how we want to um, be and what we want to experience in our intimate relationships, in our sexuality? Um, how do we nourish ourselves so that our creativity um, and our womb and our menstrual cycle is is healthy and and flowing. You know how do we how do we fertilize the soil of our bodies and our you know instruments for creating this? You know our, our body is is this beautiful instrument, this beautiful vessel that is designed to help us to to be the the instrument with which we deliver our medicine to the world. Right. So how do we really um, take care of that, uh, of our bodies and, and really embody and fully activate all of these um, enchantress powers that we have uh, available to us. And so there's, there's, a, there's another layer of the, the enchantress healing process that is wanting to come forth where, um, yeah, and so I'm just, I've been feeling like perhaps um, having having the teacher training aspect of the enchantress phase or the um, mentor training aspects be a, a separate thing that happens a little later in the apprenticeship, and that there's a there's a whole nother like personal healing part of the journey in preparation for it. So that's just something I wanted to to reflect on, and I'm curious for you if there's any aspect of the enchantress that has shown up in your personal healing journey. And I know it's hard to like extract that when like for me, it's probably similar for you, you know, our, our creative work is a big part of our, you know, delivering that creative work into the world is a big part of that personal healing journey. But I'm curious if you can speak to the other aspects of it where it's just about you and your inner inner journey that then gets translated into later or you know a part of it is translating it to something that you give to the world but i'm curious about that inner like just for megan um stuff that the enchantress may may be maybe enchanting in you 
Yeah. I can answer that even from when I was in the apprenticeship that even though the focus was very outward oriented with the soul approach that there was definitely an inner journey healing process that I was witnessing and paying attention to. And so I can speak to that. Mm -hmm. um, I noticed that, you know, kind of speaking to that perimenopausal preparation for the menopausal and that how the enchantress is connected to that phase. I feel like that was really connecting me to my ancestors. And I was feeling like the, the enchantress really started bringing more awareness back to my ancestors, which was really awakened in working at the very beginning of the apprenticeship. Um, and then I kind of came back to it actually during the enchantress really powerfully in focusing on witnessing patterns that were arising within me. And one of those patterns is like this feeling of grumpiness or this feeling of sort of being frozen in grumpiness. And it's a feeling that I have felt since I was a child and have intentionally gone on healing journeys to let go of grumpiness and sadness and you know just kind of that like feeling of stuck in sadness and grief and grumpiness so that I can actually experience joy and I felt that like I had done very intentional healing process around that for years and it was starting to come back like I felt like I had made some really big gains with with learning how to embody joy in my life and I was feeling that thread of that grumpiness come back up again and so I was looking into that and I was looking into like what is this and I just it was connecting me into this thread with my maternal lineage that was going back through the whole maternal lines of sort of this this frozen energy of uh kind of this cold energy that can come forward of just like getting stuck and frozen. And so I was doing some healing work with that to let go of that pattern, to no longer consent to that pattern in my life that I no longer wanted to be a lineage gift, you know, a lineage carer of that patterning. And I did some uh, healing with like letting that go back into my maternal line and simultaneously was receiving the wisdom that part of my soul's work was actually empowering embodied joy as medicine. And which was interesting because that's been such a theme in my work and in my programs of supporting women to embody joy and pleasure and wealth as they're going through deeply healing processes. And I was interested in seeing this new thread that it wasn't just about my outside work in the world, but that it was actually about my internal work in the world and how embodying joy was part of the medicine to shift that lineage pattern and to really let that be released, <laughs> you know, that kind of just like letting go of. So I feel like that was, um, that was one of the big internal healing processes that I was going through mm. at the time mm -hmm. of the Enchantress. Yeah. So I'm curious, um, 
about this grumpiness and, and how you describe it as frozen and cold, um, because there, there, there's different kinds of grumpiness. And you know, some grumpiness can be quite hot and inflamed, like if there's a lot of rage or anger. And I'm curious if you ever, in the healing process with this cold, frozen grumpiness, if, if it, you ever discovered it, the possibility that it could melt, or if there was even some heat in there that, that was deliberately frozen in order to not, you know, at some point in the lineage and that you had learned to just freeze that over, right? <laughs> uh, to avoid the, the fire of our, you know, of, of, I mean, this is what comes up for me. If there was a frozen part in me that was grumpy, I would be thinking that there was some fire under there that had gotten frozen over deliberately because it's not permitted, right? Our, our dragon belly is, is our fiery fierceness is, you know, the most threatening aspect of our feminine power. One of the most threatening aspects of our feminine power to the status quo, to, to the systems that, you know, would prefer us to stay um, not activated as, as womb priestesses, right? And so, so my, my curiosity about that frozenness is like, what's hiding under there? And I, so I'm curious what you discovered as you went through that healing process. Yeah, I, at that time, I wasn't really delving into what was underneath it. Um, I was mostly focusing on giving back that pattern to the lineage, but okay. it's definitely shown itself more now in, you know, like that, that as I have been giving it back, it has thawed <laughs> and the anger is more apparent. And, you know, that frozen grumpiness definitely has been a desire to not express the anger that I feel like basically what happens to me is I experience anger and a lot of people um, just immediately will let it out or say something. But what I generally do is I stuff it down into my lower back and I hold the energy until it holds and holds and holds. And then it comes out on occasion as like being snappy or kind of that scorpion sting. <laughs> Um, so that's actually been interesting is yes, it has been thawing and that pattern of holding the anger back has not there anymore as much. And now what I've been doing is learning how to talk through the frustration as it arises and learning how to talk through the anger as it arises so that it's not getting stored, but that it's being dealt with in the moment. And it's been really messy. It's uh -huh. not been graceful. It's been exceptionally uncomfortable. Uh -huh. um, it has caused discord in relationships. Um, and it's been really uncomfortable because for so many years, all of that fire that had been um, suppressed was starting to come up. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, I knew it <laughs> because that frozen grumpiness sounded real familiar. And I knew that it was, you know, that yes, the giving it back to the ancestral lineage 
is a part of it. And then, mm -hmm. and then what do you do with the purpose that that frozenness was serving, right? Once you mm -hmm. get that pattern of frozenness back, then it was serving a purpose, right? It was serving the purpose to keep those, those angry forbidden feelings down and, and frozen, right? And so now we say, no, I'm not gonna do the frozenness. And then suddenly, whoa, here it is. So if I'm not gonna do the frozenness, then what, right? What if I'm not gonna freeze it over, then what? And yeah, it's real messy when we didn't have modeling of healthy expressions of aggression, anger, frustration, all of which are powerful, important energies for fully becoming our um, most empowered, fully expressed, embodied self. We need mm -hmm. that fire to, to digest things, to sort through things, to filter through things, and to create, you know, we need that fire to, to have the, the, the full power of all of the elements of life involved in our, mm -hmm. in our creation process. So, um, you know, that the fire is the spark of life, right? So without that, uh, things, we don't have that passion. And so allowing space for anger and the, the messiness of, because it is so forbidden, especially for women, we're supposed to be nice, accommodating, make sure everybody feels good about what we're saying and not, not rock the boat or not, you know, and, and the enchantress really challenges us to be who, like our full self. And that's uncomfortable for other people because mm -hmm. of so many generations of programming that says uh, a woman shouldn't include certain things <laughs> like anger, frustration, you know, you know, strong communications about um, how, how we might not be satisfied or happy with things in the way they are. And it might be upsetting to us that things are a certain way or that somebody did a certain thing or didn't do another thing or fell short of an agreement that we had, or, you know, we didn't even know that we were going to be upset about something. And now we know that that's not really working for me. And, so now what are we gonna do? And that is messy because instead of just the frozen way, which was to say, no, it's okay, it's fine. I'm gonna freeze those feelings and let that be okay. And then not be satisfied in our lives because all these things that really aren't okay, we're forcing ourselves to be okay with, right? And then we're dissatisfied and that builds up and pretty soon there's this eruption of fire that's trying to break through the ice. <laughs> By the time most people get to menopause, that's what the hot flashes are, is like all this eruption trying to break through the ice. And so uh, you, you took a breath, like you were getting ready to say something on uh, what I said. So I wanna give you space to do that. Mm. Yeah. Yes to all that you share. And it's been interesting because in that uh, expression of anger, which is actually something I've been working, you know, consciously trying to work through for a long time. And it was almost like I had kind of gotten dormant with it and the enchantress, you know, with that freezing, it, it kind of opened up the way for it to come back up again. And I noticed that in the expression, she pulled out her, pulled out her poker and stoked your fire. Huh? <laughs> she did. Yes. And, um, 
was interesting about that was because what you're saying is like when we hold it and we freeze it and we don't have modeled to us those healthy ways, I was starting to notice, you know, a huge part of the reason that I had been holding back on expressing that was the fear of losing control, the fear of harming others. And I was noticing that sometimes when it did come out that I was being emotionally harmful and that I was being, uh, using it in ways that were more manipulative. And that is not something that ethically I stand behind. So it was really unsettling and really hard to witness these shadow aspects of self coming forward. And it's been really beautiful because as I reflect this year, I've had some really potent fire allies in my life. And so some of those allies who have been on my side and on my team, helping me to come into right relationship with fire and to use it as strength and, and power and not disempowering others um, has actually been Mars. Mars, I've been really developing my relationship to the planet Mars because that's the ruler of my birth chart because I'm a Scorpio rising. So Mars is in... Um, so I've been really following Mars movements and aspects and relationships to planets and being very mindful of how those relationships that Mars is having is actually um, impacting me in my life and trying to be aware of, wow, this might be a potentially tricky time. So I'm going to do practices that help me to release my, release my fire. So I've been doing a lot of shaking practices. I've been doing a lot of Bad practices. <laughs> and I've just been doing so many of those practices so that the fire is getting expressed, but I don't want it to be projected on other people. Mm-hmm. And um, I've also had the creator destroyer archetype on my team. Um, you know, some of the emanations of the creator destroyer, like Sarah Dwen and Kali, um, but the creator destroyer as an archetype has been really alive within me, asking me to work with fire, asking me to, and I feel like the creator destroyer as a divine feminine archetype and Mars are very close together. They have a very similar energy. So it's been, I've been aware of the death cycle because I'm usually oriented to the growth cycle. And that's what I'm more focused on. And as I've been coming into relationship with fire, what I've been noticing is that I've been focusing a lot on the death cycle of releasing, of releasing, releasing, releasing all of the things that need to be composted, Mm. all of those things that need to be let go of to make more space for that fire to be creative, for that fire to be catalyzing, Mm -hmm. for it to be more of that sacred rage that catalyzes momentum and less of it being that fire that consumes um and burns myself or burns other people Mm -hmm. but yeah it's it's such a such a powerful wisdom what you're sharing about in relation to the menstrual cycle because that that fire often comes up uh in the premenstrual phase where it's like there's a the rage can come up, anger can come up, that irritability, that grumpiness can come up if we haven't frozen it over completely. <laughs> or even if we have and it can come up through the cracks and then, you know, and or ooze out the sides. Like, right, in my family, that was the whole method. You freeze it over, nothing's wrong, but then there's this oozing out to the sides on everyone of these passive aggressive remarks that that you like 
seem like it was a perfectly fine remark, but you really feel like you just got stabbed in the back and you don't understand where that came from. You know, my, my, the women in my family are experts at that kind of remark where it's like, it seems like they just said something really nice, but why am I doubled over in pain? <laughs> you know, and so, um, so that when we start to allow, uh-oh, So when we um, start to allow ourselves to feel, to thaw that freezing over, to feel that anger, that rage, and develop these healthy ways of expression, which, by the way, is a big part of what I share in, in the womb dance yoga classes and the apprenticeship um, practices that are part of the apprenticeship is how to cultivate that because it's a it's a physical thing it's you know physical element that's flowing through us and letting it flow through our body alleviates you know so many of the physical symptoms that we might feel like the back pain the menstrual cramps the premenstrual um is you know hypersensitivity inflammation all of that when we can let it out through our voice through our breath through movement and all of that then it's not oozing out to the sides on folks and it is scary i feel the same way of like the first you know we don't have very healthy modeling for this so we have the frozen over modeling and then we might have the explosive manipulative abusive modeling on the other side of things that was how it was my mom was the frozen over and my dad was the you know explosive abusive model so i don't want to do that right? I don't want to be abusing. And, and yet the, the only other option is the frozen, which ends up being abusive anyway, because it's oozing out the sides on everyone. So we have to like break through that ice and develop um, healthy ways. And so I'm curious, um, and it's messy at first, and but there are plenty of people that are great mentors and that, you know, I'm sure there's great books on on this and we can also find our own pathways. Um, you talked about talking through the anger and I'm curious if you've found, if you can describe any of the ways that you've discovered where you are able to express your anger, your dissatisfaction, the feelings and articulate around that with, that's clear and straightforward without manipulating the people that you're relating to that are involved in this expression of anger like have you have you learned some ways of communicating about your anger that you feel safe about that that where there's full expression without the harmful projections and manipulations that you were talking about yeah well i had an example just the other week and I was feeling frustrated with logistical planning and things like that. And maybe the way that it could have been expressed was me not saying anything and just holding it back. And then some point making some type of remark about how people weren't being reliable or, you know, some type of stinging kind of remark of what you were saying before and like having it come out and expressed that way. But instead, when I saw them, I was just like, they asked me how I was doing. And I said, I'm feeling frustrated. <laughs> and it just opened up this dialogue for 
I'm feeling frustrated with how the lines of communication haven't been very clear in this. Like I, I, I want to know, you know, when we're meeting and I would like to have things confirmed. Um, it just makes things easier for, for trying to schedule my life. And it opened up the space for other women to say, yes, actually, I've been feeling frustrated about the same thing. Wow. And then, you know, we addressed it in the circle with the broader circle and just brought it up how we think we should um, figure out some strategies to make the lines of communication go a bit more smooth. And then we just, we all committed to kind of taking a next step of what we were doing. And then we followed through with it and we use some humor in there of, you know, laughing at my pitta ways. If people are familiar with pitta, that's my primary dosha is fire, water, pitta. And so we were just kind of laughing at how that often can be my go-to experience is frustration and, and um, how they could feel the fire underneath some of it. And so we could, we could kind of play with it instead of it being something that was directed and turned into something that like words being used harmfully because my my fire doesn't look very explosive it more so would come through my words mm. so it's more so about trying to be more wise with using my words that create connection and harmony and not disconnection and disharmony mm. yeah because that i mean fire can be a warm fire that everyone wants to gather around Right. If it's if it's a healthy fire that can provide light and warmth and community and shed light on things that aren't working so that, you know, we can create get busy, get motivated to create something new because we feel warm together around this fire in the community, around this light in the community. A healthy fire is is an important it's the hearth. Right. It's it's the beauty of the hearth. And we can cook things, we can make medicine with the heat of the fire and all of this. Uh, whereas if it's an explosion and, and, and um, because it's been held back or, you know, it got too big because we were so freezing cold, we were just piling everything on the fire, right? Um, all kinds of ways, reasons why it would get too big and out of and out of out of hand and not be a thing that brings people together but makes people run away right if it's burning down the house so or the or the whole forest around you or the whole town as the case is often around here where i live <laughs> but that's a whole other thing but and that comes from hundreds of years of suppressing the natural cycles of fire in the ecosystem here so so um, here we are with that problem. So yeah, so you're learning, it sounds like you're really learning to embrace the fiery aspects as a gift of, of, your, of your nature, as a gift that says, you know, this, this structure that we have going on here isn't working. And obviously it's not working for just more than me. And my frustration, my anger about it not working is a useful tool and my communicating that in a clear way, saying, I'm frustrated, I'm angry about this. And this is why, you know, the, this is the effect it's had on me that's been unpleasant and undesirable. And everybody, I can just see everybody saying, oh, thank you God for <laughs> saying something. I can thaw this, this 
freeze that I was holding over the top of that, right? That same mm-hmm. anger and thanking you and laughing about your fiery side, but grateful that you've created this hearth of transformation that the community can can gather around. Such powerful enchantress work. I'm, I'm taking notes over here for myself. <laughs> and we were literally sitting around a fire. <laughs> ah, there we go. Which is fun. All right. Well, thank you so much, Megan, for sharing all of this. Um, I could just talk with you for on and on. Um, I'm so glad we get so many opportunities to connect. Um, And so I wanted to give you a chance to tell listeners if they wanted to get in touch with you and connect with you more about any of this and about your work, how might they do so? Yeah, absolutely. you could find me on Instagram at wild.moon.sisters. Uh, you could find me in a private Facebook group called Wild Moon Sisters. That's where I spend the most time. I really tend to that like a temple space. Or you could find my website, wild-moon-temple.com. And um, you can get signed up for my newsletter just on that welcome page. And every new moon, I offer this archetypal energy forecast with a different divine feminine archetype. So that's something fun to look forward to if you want to sign up for that newsletter. Beautiful. Yeah. Wonderful. Thank you for sharing all that. And listeners know that if you want to learn more about what's going on in the womb-centered healing temple, you can go to wombcenteredhealing.com and sign up for the newsletter there. And you'll receive uh, announcements about new podcast episodes, new blog articles, as well as upcoming courses and events. Um, And you'll also get a a free womb listening meditation where you'll start to be able to, uh, listening to that meditation is sort of the foundational practice of much of what I share in these programs we've been talking about, of really listening to your own inner guidance from the womb. So, you can receive that from when you sign up from the, for the newsletter as well. So that's all for now. Any final words of wisdom from this developing enchantress energy in your life, Megan? The beingness wants to be spoken. That beingness part of the enchantress of just slowing down, simplifying, and being in connection to self and in relationship to others. Mm. Mm. Well, thank you, because it sounds like I'm getting, we need to have a whole nother podcast episode about that aspect of the (laughs) interest, right? Absolutely. All right, good. Well, we'll plan that. And thanks so much for being with us. Um, That's all for now. Until next time.